The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us again here on Winning Ponies. Hope you had a great week. You pulled out a bunch of easy win forms and slammed them at the claiming crown down at Gulfstream Park. Had some good racing on the menu. We we were smart to pick the races we did pick with uh, Railbird Bob Roberts uh, because the weather did come up kind of wet, affecting the turf races. Uh, So we'll take a look uh, at the results from there. Uh, But our handicapper this week is, if you listen to this show, you know that I am a fan of state-bred programs, and I love when they have an entire sire series or state-bred program. Well, Louisiana gets the spotlight this week. So we're going to go way down yonder to New Orleans and go to the fairgrounds uh, where they're going to have their Louisiana Champions Day. And I thought no one better to help us out but Rick Mocklin. Now, Rick, you're going to enjoy meeting him. He is uh, quite a character. He's a great guy. Uh, I met him 28 years ago when I was the publicity director down at the fairgrounds. And Rick's done just about everything in racing. Now, uh, he was a uh, race caller at many uh, tracks. Uh, He backed up my friend Tony Bentley at the fairgrounds. He announced at Delta Downs, Ellis Park, Bluegrass Downs, Dueling Grounds. Heck, these are tracks that have changed their name. Uh, Sam Houston and Louisiana Downs. Um, Of course, while doing that, he also uh, uh, pitched in uh, with – publicity and marketing and i uh, would do you know television and radio shows rick's uh, quite uh, the renaissance guy he's also uh, heads up the popular band southern voice uh, down there in the new orleans area and uh, right now he has the book of richard aramia and uh, bug boy andre ramgeet both of those guys have pretty storied uh, past uh, certainly a Richard won the riding title Louisiana Downs for the fifth consecutive year. And, of course, Rick Mocklin is his agent. So Rick's going to help us handicapping the horses down there at the fairgrounds where his jack uh, has a mount in every race that we're going to discuss. Then I'm going to have uh, an old friend on, uh, Stu Kirschenbaum. Uh, he's a television sports producer. He's won uh, five sports Emmys, uh, was involved with racing back in the 90s. I don't know if you remember a show called Thoroughbred World. It was a popular half-hour nationally televised show that was hosted by none other than Tom Durkin. Well, uh, Stu remained a big fan of the sport, 
and uh, right now he works with the Pennsylvania HBPA, and he's reaching out to other states to try to help promote racing in those states. So uh, Rick Mocklin, Stu Kirschenbaum will be our guest today. Like I said, I hope you did reach out and pull down some easy win forms uh, for the big races at Gulfstream. Uh, on the 10th, we had a 50-cent Super 5 key that paid over $6,000. And the day before, a $1 Super key, just over $5,000. And since we're going to be in the Louisiana area, hope you picked up some of the action at Delta Downs. Uh, on the 9th, we had a 50-cent Super 5 key that paid 2200 And at Evangeline, on the same day, a $1 Super, $2,000. $36.90, and you know where to get that. It's at winningponies.com. Well, here's some interesting information. Trevor Denman has decided to hang up his microphone. He's been the voice at Santa Anita since 1983 and says he will not be back for the 2015 meet, which comes up the day after Christmas, he said that uh, after calling the races for 44 years, 33 of those at Santa Anita, he come to the decision that it's time for him to kick back, relax, and enjoy the rest of my life on my farm in Minnesota and do some traveling throughout America and overseas. Trevor Denman is now 63 years old. Now, uh, uh, Keith Brackpool, chairman at Santa Anita, said we knew this day would come. Uh, but uh, we're not going to jump into the fire and say who's going to be our announcer right away. And then just a couple days after that, I started to cruise in the the uh, the internet, and uh, it looks like uh, Frank Miramati will be one of the race callers. So that leaves a race calling spot open at Oaklawn Park. Uh, Miramati replaced the legendary Terry Wallace as track announcer following the 2011 meet. So it'll be interesting to see the chess game that evolves and who's going to end up at Oaklong. Now, the uh, uh, Dave Longinati says he feels that they'll be able to replace him fairly quickly. Um, so Frank Miramati, supposedly he is going to split race calling duties at Santa Anita. I'm not really sure exactly how that works out as far as uh, splitting it with Michael Rona. Again, that starts the day after Christmas. So stay tuned to a racetrack near you and find out who's calling the races. Okay, uh, Team Farrow, no surprise here. They won the Big Sport of Turfdom Award out at the Global Symposium on Racing and Gaming in Tucson, Arizona. Not everybody could make it, but Bob Baffert did. And uh, just... Uh, said that every trainer, we wish every trainer be able to work with a horse like this one. He was so different, but Baffert was so different, too, and the way that he exposed that horse uh, to to the public. So uh, my friends at the Turf Publicist, hope you had a great time out at Arizona, and Team Baffert, definitely deserving. Okay, well, it looks like our friend California Chrome continues to prepare himself really well, says trainer Art Sherman. Uh, he continues to train strongly in the mornings. Uh, he's had another solid breeze. That was his fifth workout there and fourth recorded breeze. Looks like he's pointing for the January 9th San Pasqual Stakes. So uh, you can go up on the internet and pull down uh, actual uh, video of a California Chrome. 
they do intend to send him back to Dubai, um, even though he hasn't run since he ran in Dubai, but recent headlines that just broke today said that California Chrome is among the 181 horses accepted for the 2016 Dubai World Cup Carnival at Maydan Racecourse in the United Arab Emirates. So uh, it will be interesting that he can crank him up and get him back. You may remember that uh, he did run second in their big race. The Dubai World Cup Carnival gets underway Thursday, January 7th, 10 days of racing leading up to the big Dubai World Cup. And here's some news talking about the day after Christmas. Guess who should be back in the saddle? None other than Chantel Sutherland. She's coming out of retirement for a second time and is going to return to race riding, hopefully uh, on the 26th. Uh, Chantel is now 39 years old. Of course, she's been among the most high-profile female riders in the world, not to mention the best-looking female rider in the world. And uh, she uh, did come back one time, and her second stint, in the saddle lasted a little more than a year. Then she retired. She started selling real estate in Southern California. But she just said, I've missed it so much. So uh, she's come back. She says that she may ride at Los Alamitos in the mornings uh, to help get her back in shape. She's reportedly been working at the track since September for Baffert's former assistant, Mike Marlowe. Okay, like father, like son, apprentice jockey Lane Luzzi, the son of veteran New York rider Mike Luzzi, won his very first race. It was on December 4th when he rode Midwest Thoroughbreds Flo's Strawberry in Laurel Park's third race. Congratulations to Lane Luzzi. Of course, his dad, a real class act there in New York. Speaking of class acts, how about Javier Castellano? He won four races on Claiming Crown Day, and that gets him the crown of Jockey of the Week honors. Uh, In addition to winning the big one, which we'll cover, Royal Posse, the Claiming Crown, uh, he won with uh, Run with Bulls and the Iron Horse, Stall Walking Dude in the Rapid Transit, my pick, and Moonshine Promise in the Glass Slipper. Uh, So uh, congratulations to Javier Castellano for his big day, and he gets Jockey of the Week. And a tip of the cap to turf writers Steve Haskin and the late Raleigh Burroughs. They've been elected to the Joe Hirsch Media Roll of Honor. The National Museum of Racing and Hall of Fame has announced. Of course, uh, Steve, for so many years uh, working for the Blood Horse, then he kind of went into semi-retirement. And uh, luckily, it is only semi, so we, you can still pull down a lot of his stories on the Blood Horse. Uh, just a guy with so much experience and great great uh, writing skills. Now, I don't know if you remember Raleigh Burroughs, but one of the first uh, magazines that I used to read as a kid was Turf and Sport Digest, and he was the editor of that magazine uh, forever, and Raleigh Burroughs had some great columns in there, and it was a great starting point for people who wanted to get involved uh, in racing. And for those of you that like to uh, have collectibles, they have resurrected the jockey trading cards to benefit the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. It's uh, going to be the 75th anniversary of the Jockeys Guild. Now, they printed limited amounts, so how do I get them? Well, uh, you can go to www.jockeytalk360, 
for $20 plus $2.95. That includes shipping and handling. The back of each card has information about the jockeys, birthday, birthplace, riding years, short bio, and, of course, a nice picture on the front for you collectors out there. Now, for you handicappers, the big grade one of this week is the Hollywood Starlet. And, man, when you go down the list, now it was, of course, run at Hollywood Park, which is now a parking lot. And uh, the Hollywood Starlet, uh, $300,000, will be run at Los Alamitos as the eighth race on Saturday. And it's a who's who of the horses that have won this race. Althea, outstandingly, very subtle. Uh, Sardula, how about Serena's song and Cara Raffaella? So you, you are going to see some fillies of the future in the eighth race, Los Alamitos. Of course, you want to keep an eye out for uh, Bob Baffert, who has a couple in there, including Jerry Hollendorfer. So those guys with some tough two-year-old fillies. Real quick, the races we looked at last week with Bob Roberts, the Bobby Bricky, Bricker Memorial at Mahoning Valley, that went to both of our picks. De Niro's Saint, no surprise there, went off as the odds-on favorite. And then uh, for the boys, the Joshua Radosevich Memorial went to Bob's pick, my partner Cal, scootin' boot periutes in the saddle. Again, the claiming crown, we picked three races there. And the rapid transit, the winner was numero seven, stall walking dude who hooked up with Trouble Kid. That was our cold exacta pick of the week. And then in the Claiming Crown Express, you had to go to the outside, and it was Dot's private label at 13-1, to 1, got up by a short neck over Slan Abil, who was the favorite in second. And last race of the week that we handicapped was the Claiming Crown, a wide-open event as stated. But the winner was Javier Castellano on Royal Posse, the New York bread, looking awful good down in Florida. All right, we're going to take a quick break. and we come back, going to be with a great guy who's good for the game of racing, Stu Kirschenbaum. You're listening to Winning Ponies. school to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me again, Stu Kirschenbaum. I told you at the top of the show that he's a five-time sports Emmy winner. A lot of his work surrounding the game of baseball, but in my opinion, when he really hit it out of the park was when he was the coordinating producer of Thoroughbred World, and I know a lot of you listeners will remember that show. It was very popular, and it was hosted by some guy by the name of Tom Durkin, who I think went on to uh, become an icon in the sport. So uh, Stu's now been helping to produce commercials, uh, not only for New York breads, uh, but for Pennsylvania breads, and he's going to put it out there in case anybody listening is associated with a state bread program or a racetrack that wants to uh, enhance uh, the uh, message that they're getting out there to the listeners, and uh, Stu has some interesting ideas on what that message should be. With no further ado, Stu Kirschenbaum, how you doing, my friend? Hey, John, how are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm real good. I'm real good. It was it was great to uh, uh, see your name in print, and I'm like, oh, you know, I was reading the the, the uh, uh, TRC newsletter, and uh, your. Uh, story American racing needs to create horse players, not fans popped up. But before I, I get to the PowerPoints on, on that, um, <laughs> what was your introduction to racing? Was it that they brought you in for your television skills uh, to do Thoroughbred World? Was that your introduction, or did you start as a lover of the uh, game well, earlier? Well, yeah, I mean, professionally, that was. I mean, I've been in love with racing since I was six years old, and my grandparents took me to Delaware Park. And I kind of took one look around. It's like, how long has this been going on? You know, what took you so long to bring me here? This is great. And it was absolutely love at first sight. And it's been a, uh, you know, a decades-long uh, love affair that's kind of been unabated. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm just simply one of these guys who loves the game. Uh, professionally, yeah, I was, um, I was working uh, at what a company that was Major League Baseball Productions, and a very long, convoluted story that involved, you know, Peter Ubroff and his lack of a desire to own a TV production company. Uh, we became a private company uh, and served as a licensee uh, to Major League Baseball. But uh, that allowed us to branch off into other sports. And <laughs> I wasn't present for this, but I am told that the owner of our company called me. You know, I went together into a room and said, okay, we've got a You've got to look at other sports. You've got to grow this business. Now, if we want to do a soccer show, you know, who could we have work on that? And, you know, two or three names are bandied about. And, you know, college basketball, two or three names. He says, well, what about horse racing? And the whole room just went, stoo. So, <laughs> I was not I love it. Well, you know, I, I'm not uh, blowing smoke. I loved that show. And as you oh, know, at the same nice time, I was producing the stretch run in Cincinnati. And so I gleaned mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff from your show. Now, uh, what was it like, uh, I guess you could say in the early years, not really, but mm-hmm. uh, working with Tom Durkin? The greatest guy in the world. I mean... He is someone that would be remarkably successful no matter what he did. If he were an actor and he did go to school, you know, and have a lot of dramatic training, uh, if he were an attorney, um, anything that he chose to do in life, he'd be remarkably successful. He's, 
he's a great guy. He's completely uh, self-effacing, you know, devoid of ego, and super talented. Um, I work with a lot of announcers, a lot of voiceover people. Um, he required virtually no direction from me. And if I said, okay, you're going to start out, you know, it's real sort of upbeat and happy, then the story kind of takes a turn for the worse. Then by the time you get to the bottom of the page, you're just downright morose. <laughs> and he nailed it. Um, incredibly nice guy, amazingly talented guy. Now, Stu, I know this is going to be awful hard. It's a, it's a tough question to ask when you look back at your career, but what, what was one or two of your favorite spots or incidents that happened during the production of Thoroughbred World? Um, it's actually not that hard a question because the answer is Serena's song. Um, <laughs> I'll try to tell the story in a few seconds, so that might be impossible. Um, there was a couple who had a daughter named Serena who was born with all sorts of issues, just severely disabled, um, just in very bad shape. And one day, through pure happenstance, uh, they took her up into a hot air balloon, and they'd never seen her so happy. They'd never seen such positive emotion out of their child. And this couple remarkably decided that they were going to devote a good part of their life to this, to having uh, the ability to take, uh, you know, children who are disabled, children who are challenged in some way, and, and tour the country and give these kids hot air balloon rides. And they're reading the paper one day, and they read a story about the horse. And they said, that's just a wonderful name. We're going to name the balloon Serena's Song. Uh, they got put in contact with Mr. and Mrs. Lewis, um, Mr. and Mrs. Lewis, Bob Lewis was just the absolute nicest man ever. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful gentleman Mr. Lewis was. And Mrs. Lewis, God bless her, she's great. And they're, they're just wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, they said that they would donate a sizable part of Serena Song's uh, racetrack earnings to fund this balloon. And the work that it was doing, and the way the piece ended was with Serena Song winning the Haskell, just down the street from me here at Monmouth Park. And, I mean, put yourself in the position of the Lewises. I mean, your, your filly has just, you know, won this, you know, incredible victory. You're an hour from New York City. You're about an hour from Atlantic City. So, and you're here at the Jersey Shore, which, I mean, there, there's all sorts of great entertainment options. There's all sorts of great places where you could go to celebrate this win. What the Lewises chose to do, the balloon was at Monmouth Park that day, and what the Lewises chose to do is they went out into like the softball fields of Monmouth Park, and until it got dark out, they were out there helping these children, you know, boosting them, putting them into the balloon, and helping them take their hot air balloon ride. So the Serena Song story uh, sticks out for me. And, and, I, and I do remember it. Well, you know, like I said uh, at the top of the show, you know, that you, you've been in a a great ambassador to the sport. I know you, that you've had oh, other projects, you. but when I reached back and I read this article that from, from what I understand was perhaps penned a while ago, it doesn't change your spirit or attitude as far as 
what we in racing should do. Now, winning ponies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is kind of the entertainment arm of it, but it, it is a uh, site for, for horse players. And right. uh, you know what? I, I don't think I've got to put sunglasses on and uh, hide in a room when I say I'm a horse player and I like to right. bet. And that seemed right. to be uh, part of the gist of, uh, of your presentation in this article is like uh, when people are promoting racing, you know, well, what do we want to be on TV? What are our goals? How will this investment benefit us both short term and long term? And uh, you had some <clears throat> very concise uh, opinions about that, and I'd like you to share that with my audience. Well, first of all, thank you. Um, I guess it's all about fun. You know, that's why we go to the track. That's why we play this game. It's 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 challenging. It's fun. Uh, occasionally, it's rewarding. Uh, we all love the game, and we all have fun at the game. And to me, that's a message. Uh, that should be communicated through a, a television broadcast. I mean, as you said, you know, I come from the world of Major League Baseball. That's where I spent most of my career. I still do a, a number of Major League Baseball projects. And if you watch a Major League Baseball telecast, it's essentially a three-hour commercial uh, encouraging you to go to the ballpark. And there's all sorts of shots of people having fun, young and old, uh, every demographic are having fun at the baseball game. And I'm simply suggesting a racing telecast should communicate a little bit more of that fun. This is a great place to be. Come on out. You're going to have fun. Incentivize people to come out. Incentivize people to bet. I mean, yeah, gambling is what the game is all about. Uh, it is not a dirty word. Um, Amy Zimmerman, who I'm sure you know, yeah. uh, put out a tweet the other day. She said she's going to the symposium in Arizona. And she said, I just have a quick little Twitter survey. Number one, what is racing's biggest problem? Number two, what is racing's biggest strength? And I said, number one, racing's biggest problem is that we're all afraid to admit that it's a gambling game. Number two, its biggest strength is that it's a gambling game. (laughs) <laughs> and the idea that this is, in fact, a gambling game is what needs to be communicated, I think, uh, in a television broadcast, particularly since, you know, the racing industry, for the most part, is paying for these broadcasts. Uh, baseball teams are receiving a hefty rights fee. You know, when you watch the Reds, I mean, you know, the Reds are being paid a significant amount of money to allow the telecast of, uh, of those games. It's the inverse situation in horse racing. Uh, that time is bought and paid for. The production costs uh, are borne by horse racing. So if you're going to spend all this money to buy all this airtime, why not try to sell your product? Why not try to promote your business? And, you know, it's the gambling business. Gambling is the lifeblood of this game. And it's not this, this daunting, you know, overwhelming thing. I, I think at some point in that piece you referenced, I said something like, you know, at the end of the day, we're hoping people read the racing form, and we should realize it's just the racing form. It's not the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's not just, <laughs> you know, the thing that's hopelessly beyond our capacity to understand it. Um, you know, it's almost as if there's sort of like this, this sense of, you know, questioning who we are and questioning what we're about. Um, you know, there's a sense that, oh, people won't grasp onto this. It's too complicated. You've got to dumb it down. I don't buy that argument at all. I mean, no. if you look at what happens in the world of daily fantasy sports, 
the people who are playing that, you know, by and large, I mean, they're not playing, you know, their favorite names or favorite colors. I mean, they're really doing their research and they're really digging into the numbers. Um, if, if you tell people that, you know, you can solve this puzzle, uh, people will latch on to that. And I'm simply saying I, I wish that in these broadcasts, um, we talked about the gambling a little bit more. We incentivized people. Uh, we had one sort of centrally located website where we could send people. There's a drop-down menu, whatever state you're in. These are the websites where it's legal on your particular state. And they're going to give you a $10 free bet or a $25 for whatever the heck the promotion is. But incentivize people to gamble and incentivize people to come to the racetrack. Do what baseball does, drive business to the live event. Because if you get someone to go to the racetrack, you've got a pretty good shot at you know making that person into a horse player. Well, Stu Kirschenbaum, uh, my producers tell me I've got to kind of clock out here. But it, you're have been working with different state programs and trying to get people to come to the racetrack, to have fun, uh, to gamble. Uh, if, how would somebody get a hold of you if they were interested in your services? Uh, my website is oakstreetfilms.tv. I told you that my grandparents introduced me to this great game, and they live on Oak Street, so I named my business Oak Street Films. And, and just very briefly, I mean, the work I'm doing right now with the folks in Pennsylvania um, the people in the individual states, I think it's very important that they put a message out there to the general public, saying all the good things that racing does uh, in terms of job creation, in terms of economic impact, in terms of preservation of green space. Um, that's a message that's very rarely communicated to the general public. And we've been doing that in Pennsylvania for the past two years, and I think it's fair to say that you know, if you look at the climate, uh, the, how racing was just so under attack in Pennsylvania two years ago uh, when we started this, and you look at where it is today, um, I, do, I do think it's fair to say we've made a difference. I think it's really incumbent upon uh, the various uh, state entities, the state racing entities, uh, to promote that message and put that message out to the general public. And by doing that, you certainly improve the perception of racing. By doing that, you probably, theoretically, hopefully, get the politicians on your side. And I, I think it's very important that, that, that various states do that. So, yeah, oakstreetfilms.tv. Okay, uh, well, that's how you get a hold of, of Stu Kirschenbaum. Stu, I'm sorry I'm run, I've run out of time, but it was great to hear your voice again. I wish oh, you luck. Pleasure, John. you got my contact you, my numbers, friend. call me anytime, okay? You know I will. All right, we were talking with Stu Kirschenbaum. Going to take a quick break, and when we come back, a man of many hats, Rick Mocklin, down at the fairgrounds. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me coming up is Rick Mocklin. Of course, at the top of the show, I gave you a, a bit of his resume. There's no way I could give it to you all. It's only a one-hour show, uh, but he's very well known uh, on the Southern Racing uh, Circuit. I got to meet him 28 years ago down at the fairgrounds, and uh, since then he's done a little bit of everything. He's certainly not microphone shy. Uh, he, as I said, he's called races at numerous uh, tracks, uh, including being a backup uh, with my friend Tony Bentley. He He's not afraid to be behind the microphone as he uh, heads up the uh, band, uh, Southern Voice. Uh, and currently, he's uh, uh, acting as a successful jockey agent, I must say, because uh, I know I'll mispronounce the name. Uh, but uh, Richard Aramia uh, just won his fifth title at Louisiana Downs, had one heck of a meet, winning at a 27% clip. And a lot of that's because he's in the hands of one Rick Mocklin. Rick, how you doing? Man, John, I am doing good, man. And as you mentioned, things are going good. As you and I talked about, things are going good for me professionally, personally, musically right now. So I'm in a good spot. And, you know, you mentioned you and I met 28 years ago. And it's funny, we were talking this morning, a couple of guys on the racetrack, and we've become the old-timers in the game now. 28 years ago, we were the young guys who were really full of energy, and not that our energy is kind of uh, gone away, but we're the old-timers in the business now, which it's, uh, it's, it's fun to be at this point in our careers. Yeah, it, yeah it, it is hard to believe. I guess every now and then I, I pulled out my old Louisiana uh, racing license the other day, and all my hair uh-huh. was black, my beard was black, and all my hair was yes. there. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's like, of course, having a couple kids will kind of change that, and so, and so oh, will yeah. father time. But since then, uh, what, uh, what p- positions in racing did I miss in my promo of you? Well, you know, John, I've been lucky. I have done a lot of things. I've actually I've trained horses. I started on the backside as a young kid, you know, with my uncle, my dad, my grandfather, and kind of I've done a little bit of everything. I always tell everybody that um, I'm a jack of all trades, a master of none. That's an old cliche that we use, but I've been fortunate to be involved in a lot of aspects of racing. You know, I've ponied horses to the gate. Um, I've galloped horses, I've trained horses, I've been an announcer, I've been a publicity director. Now being an agent, which gives me the opportunity to deal directly with a lot of the horsemen that I've been around for a long time on the Louisiana circuit, and this is fun. We have gotten to a point where we're riding for a lot of the trainers that win races. And, of course, as you know, the name of your show, Winning Ponies, if you don't win, nobody wants you. So... 
fortunately, we've been in a good position the last couple of years, and we've earned our spot to be a jockey and a jockey agent that people look to. So that has really made the business a lot of fun. Well, listen, while I've got you, uh, let's familiarize people with your, your two riders. Uh, there's uh, Richard Aramia, if I'm saying that correctly. It's, and it's actually Aramia, Richard Aramia. Aramia. Okay, and then Andre Ramgeet, who's kind of an up-and-comer. So could you give us a thumbnail sketch of your two riders, one obviously a made guy, and another guy that you've got to convince trainers is going to be a made guy? Well, Richard, of course, is a... uh, He's been in the United States now for about seven or eight years. He's originally from Uruguay, or Uruguay, as he pronounces it. He came over here, and I've been with Richard now... Going on seven years, the last five years, we were the leading rider at Louisiana Downs. Uh, Last year, we were off to a good start at the fairgrounds. He was hurt on the fifth day of the meet and missed the majority of the meet. Uh, Richard is a very, very good rider. He's naturally small. He's a jockey that doesn't have to do any type of reducing, so he is a very strong rider. Uh, Andre Ramji, his dad... His, his name is Andrew Ramji. He rides on the West Virginia uh, Turf Paradise Circuit. He is the first cousin of Rajiv Mirage. So he comes from a racing family. Andre is coming off of being hurt for a 10-month period also. And he started off pretty good. We've won three races so far. But Andre is, as you mentioned, an up-and-coming rider. I think he looks really good on a horse. Uh, sits nice on a horse, has what I call a pretty seat on a horse, and gets run out of horses. So I think he's got a good future ahead of him. He's going to lose his bug in about a month, and, of course, that's going to be the true test to see if he can continue this momentum that we've built up. But I think he will because he's a complete package. Good kid, good personality, good rider, got all the tools, got the background. So I think he's going to be okay on this circuit for the years to come. Great. Well, he certainly uh, has, has the bloodlines for it, for sure. Well, um, anybody that listens to the show knows that I'm a big fan of state-bred programs. And yes. I, I love a card like they're going to have at the fairgrounds because you're comparing apples to apples. None of the horses in these races are strangers to one another for the most part. They've all had a chance to match strides against one another, and you see in, in the daily racing form in that bold face type how many times perhaps they've traded races. But I want to jump right in to the 25th running of the Louisiana Champions Day turf uh, because the one name that comes out in bold face against most of the competition here is the horse is going to break from the inside by the name of String King, and it yes. looks like you have secured the mount for your top rider for the fifth consecutive time, and the last three were winning efforts. Uh, the horse comes into the race with the best buyer, and also, while we're talking about Louisiana breads, is coming out of an open stakes win. Lifetime, again, folks, this is why you want to get into a straight bread program, $900,000 from only 38 starts. I tell you what, Rick, this horse, is he's the horse for course, and he loves the distance. I think you're in a good spot. Uh, my question is, how, how's the rail play down there on the turf? Well, right now the turf course is in excellent shape. We had 
some drainage problems two years ago. Last year it was good. This year it's even better. The rail post is not going to be a problem. The rail is going to be 16 feet out because there's not full, well, 12 or 14 horse fields. The rail is going to be out some, so it's in a good portion of the racetrack. This horse, as you mentioned, has run 38 times. 30 times he's been first, second, or third. And, you know, people say, well, my horse is coming into this race better than he's ever been. Richard has worked this horse the last three times that he's worked and tells me this horse is doing so good that he's even more confident going into tomorrow than he has been any time he's ever riding, rode him before, rather. Now, the thing that we're lucky with being on him tomorrow, James Graham is normally his winter rider. Richard is his summer rider. Well, James Graham decided not to come back this year and stay in Kentucky, I mean, in, in California, rather. So we were able to stay on him for these Champions Day races in the winter racing campaign. This horse is good. He is just an old warrior. He's a hard-knocking horse. He can be any place that Richard wants him to be. He can be on the lead and win from the lead. He can come from right off of it. He can be a few lengths back if he needs to. I think the position that he's going to get from the, from the break is going to be real important. He breaks really well. He's going to be either first, second, or third going into the first turn. And I think from there, if he gets a clear trip, I think he's the horse to beat. Definitely the horse to beat in this race I'll tomorrow. I agree with you. Now, but what's interesting is is that uh, when you look at the other horses in the race, as I said, they're, they're familiar with one another. Uh, I think a lot of people's eyes would be drawn to Wells Gold, right. but uh, since he ran second behind String King in two races, but uh, you might have to throw out his last one at, at Delta exactly. Downs. And the, the other horse, I think, is, uh, is uh, a hopeful notion. Uh, who's yeah. uh, two for four at the fairgrounds, a, a horse that you used to ride uh, on a regular basis. Right. I did ride him on a regular basis, and Eddie's going in a Eddie Johnson, of course, his trainer, has gone in a different direction with some shots. But given the choice, of course, I would be on String King. If I would have had to make a decision on which horse to ride, I would be on String King. And... Um, Eddie's horse is coming into the race off of a good effort. Last time out, he was a pretty easy winner. Last time out, uh, a race he's got a race over the track. Now, Wells Gold, as you mentioned, he's a speed horse. Throw that last race out on the dirt. Don't even just draw a line through it. Don't even pay attention to it. He's going to go to the front, and he's going to drop over to the rail. So we're probably going to be behind him going into the first turn. But uh, Wells Gold is a consistent, hard-knocking horse. He was clean, three starts back for $17,500, when everybody kind of thought he might have been going, not in the wrong direction, but maybe just dropping down a notch. But since then, he's come back and run the two good second races, uh, finishing second rather behind, sprinting on both both races. So he's definitely a horse that if he gets out on a lead by himself, he could be hard to catch. He really could. But, you know, String King, he just knows where the wire is. And Richard says he just points him in a direction and he goes. So hopefully <laughs> that's going to be the case tomorrow. 
Well, I, 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 I love it, and, uh, and I, of course, on all these races, I wish you nothing but the best. Now, you're, you're sitting on the, the favorite there. Not quite the case in the Louisiana Champion Day Sprint. Uh, right. It looks like your odds maker down there, Haiti, I might be saying it wrong, but I am a big fan of, of Tom Amos. And yeah. so I guess my question for you is somebody that's there watching the races every day. This is a horse that has good early speed. I really think that uh, coming off a layoff, that that was a huge effort last time. And what looks like was a prep race for this race. There's five horses in this race that are coming out of this $35,000 optional claimer that was won by Top Cat Boogie. But I got a feeling right. it's kind of give, going to give a leg up. But I want your insight. How is the on the main track, the, the rail playing for a speed horse uh, like Amos's Hetty? Well, the, the, my opinion, the, the main track has been speed favoring on a number of occasions. Now, my guess tomorrow is they're going to have the track lightning fast. We, at first, thought we may get some rain, but the rain's not going to come until Sunday. I would think they're going to have the main track lightning fast. So, high t- I call him High tie. The announcer here calls him Hey, Ty, um, whatever his name is, he is fast, that's for sure. Now, the question is, six furlongs might just be a little bit too far for him. He gets what we call late in the last hundred yards. i tell you a horse that you really got to watch out for, a horse that won this race last year, and it's on his running line. If you look last year, too dim. He walked out of the starting gate. He was 12 lengths behind the leaders coming out of the gate and came up the rail and just got up in the last jump to win. Now, this horse, has he's got an out at Delta on November 14th, but it was in the Gold Cup. It was at a mile. I don't think this horse wants to be part of a mile. He's a closing sprinter, and he could be tough in this race. Eddie Johnston's horses are running really well right now. He had a winner today, a horse called Grand Basin, that won today. So everything he sends to post is ready and able to win. So it wouldn't surprise me if Too Dim jumped up and won this race. High Tide's going to be in front. He is fast. There is no one going to be in front of him after a couple of jumps out of the starting gate. Now, can he go six furlongs? They say no. Now, when I say they, I'm talking about some of the handicapping guys that I know around the track, they say he's probably a five-and-three-quarter furlong horse. <laughs> if they ran five-and-three-quarter furlongs, he'd probably win it. But that last hundred yards or so really takes its toll on him. But, but, you and I know Tom Amos, and you never sell him short. You know, he may just tighten the screws up a little bit for this race and just may tighten them up enough to get him home. So wouldn't be a surprise if he won it. But I'm well, thinking too dim is a little bit of an upset in that race. Right. I, I just thought that maybe, you know, he, he tailed off this year. He's at five starts and haven't won yet. Just want to touch lightly on, on, on uh, two other horses in here. Top Cat Boogie is the horse that won what I'm going to call the prep for this race. But yeah. this horse, when you look at his running lines, Rick, uh, he might have a little hitch in his get-along. He seems to take a lot of time off. Uh, in between his starts. And, of course, yeah. he's very lightly raced this year, only four starts, uh, has two wins, uh, but uh, both of those against Louisiana. Um, so wh- what do you think about Top Cat Boogie? Is this a horse you've got to be real tender with? 
I think he's a horse that's got a legitimate shot to win the race. His races, as you mentioned, are kind of spread out a little bit. Um, you know, we've got some medication rule changes over here with some of these old hard-knocking horses. Now you have to spread their races out a little bit more to get them to bounce back. This horse was a long shot last out when he won. He was 18.50 to 1. So he wasn't expected to win. He kind of jumped up and won this race. But I, I, I don't think tomorrow is his day to win. I really don't. I'll tell you another horse that really... Mike Stidham never runs horses out of line. Yes, I think you would agree with horse me on I was going to ask he, you about. He's got a horse that's eligible for non-winners of two. This horse broke its maiden last time out real easy. He comes back in a non-winners of two in this kind of race. This is not Mike Stidham's style to run a horse like this. So if he's got this horse in this kind of race, he thinks this horse has got a chance. And this horse has got speed. I don't think he's got the high tie type of speed, but... Man, I just, I was really surprised waiting for you to call and looking over the PPs and saying, well, a non-winner is a two for Mike Stidham in a stake that just doesn't fit. If this was a three-year-old and a three-year-old stake, maybe, but not an older horse stake like this. It just doesn't fit his profile. Well, I do know that it, that it has the best buyer figure of any horse in this race's last race. I've got written down that it's kind of the mystery horse. Stidham, of course, yeah. right now winning at 40% down there. I thought the running line comment was kind of interesting. Under whip past the 16th, and the horse drew off by, by six and three-quarter lengths. I wonder if Stidham uh, said, hey, we really need to get a, a top effort in this horse because we want to go – go into that Champions Day sprint. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure yeah. why a horse that was winning that easy was being urged so much, but uh, that's, what, that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Right, right. It makes sense. It definitely makes sense. So it, uh, this horse is going to be the, as you said, the mystery horse in here. He's going to be the, uh, the, it could be the surprise horse in here. Well, uh, Rick Mocklin, uh, we're uh, talking with right now, or we're looking at the, the fairgrounds. Of course, they're going to have Louisiana Championships Day. We can't cover all the races, but we're going to try to get to, uh, to four of the good ones. Now, the uh, 10th race on the card is the uh, Champions Day Classic. Carries the yes. purse of $150,000. Uh, there's uh, four horses in here uh, that are coming out of the uh, – one-mile gold cup. Of course, they're going to have to stretch out to a mile and an eighth. Uh, the horse's name that, that uh, shows up most is the picket factor, but I think the horse is probably logically going to be feared most is, uh, is Mobile Boy, who uh, won its last four, not against Louisiana Breads, against Open Company, as right. I believe it's the only gr- open graded stakes winner and graded stakes place horse in the field. Very consistent, and Edgar Prado will be in to ride. Still hard to throw out the speed horse, the picket factor. Uh, one Kingsman seems to, like he could easily uh, be a part of this, as well as a horse by the name of Storm Driver I know you're familiar with. Is my analysis in the ballpark, Rick? Wow, absolutely. I think your analysis is in the ballpark. Now, this year, for the first time in the Classic, we don't have a star guitar. We don't have a Sunbeam who won it last year. Those horses, Sunbeam is on the road to coming back. He's in training but wasn't ready for this race. The two horses you talked about, the Picket Factor and Mobile Bay, are both three-year-olds. And 
One king's man, he's entered in the turf, but I would think that Joe Sharp is going to run him in the classic. That would be my guess. I'm not sure what he's going to do, but these two three-year-olds are good horses. So, an interesting story. Victor Arsenault called me before the Super Derby and asked me to ride Mobile Bay with Richard Aramia, and I had made a commitment to ride Chalk Apology for Pat Devereaux in the Super Derby at Louisiana Downs. Well, as his luck would have it, Mobile Bay wins the Super Derby, and, and uh, Chalk Apology ran second behind him. And since then, Chalk Apology is on the shelf for a little while, but Mobile Bay went on to win the Zia Park Derby. This is a good horse, man. This little three-year-old is, is really consistent. He's really hard-knocking. Um, he has, what, he has 12 lifetime starts. He's been first, second, and third 11 times. So this horse knows how to win. The picket factor, he's a speed horse. When he has it his own way, he can go wire to wire. Um, horse like One King's Man, he's a, a five-year-old. He's been as consistent as can be. Stays good. These horses are, the three-year-olds are facing these other horses for the first time. Some of these older hard knockers like Storm Driver and uh, One King's Man and a couple of the other horses in here, they've been running against each other for the last couple of years or so. But, you know, one thing that which, which you mentioned, too, with this Louisiana bred program, a lot of these horses run against each other in the two-year-old juvenile, then they move up to maybe the sprint race, and then they start to go long. They may run against each other for three or four years in a right. row in different races. So it's kind, of, uh, it's kind of interesting to see where some of these horses wind up. And it's really interesting to see how many of them stay as consistent and as good as they are to continue racing on this level year after year. Uh, a- absolutely. Well, I'm down to about three minutes, Rick. So uh, I'm gonna. I, I want to get as many different kind of races uh, on the program as I could with you. So uh-huh. let's go. Let's go to the two-year-old boys in here in, in the juvenile. Uh, it's a six-furlong race. Uh, four of them are coming out of the Louisiana Legacy at, at Delta Downs, uh, including the winner C Vow. But this yeah. race is wide, wide open. I've got check marks on about a half a dozen horses. Uh, uh, you know, I see gentlemen, you're picking up a mount that threw its jockey the last time, the Jean Lafitte that was always a, a, a big prep race uh, for right. the million-dollar race they have out there. Uh, you're picking that up. That could, that could be a live long shot. I was really impressed with that November 28th work of Icy Gentleman, best of 90 at the distance. Certainly at this Delta, horse has yeah. thrown his jock is on his toes, Rick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this horse wouldn't surprise me if he jumped up and won. There, as you mentioned, there's probably six or eight horses that could jump up and win. A horse that I've heard some buzz about is a horse called S-S, I think it is, S-A-S. Armando yeah. De La Serta trains this horse. This horse is coming, uh, ran third last time out in a Louisiana Bread Allowance non-winners of two, went off the favorite and ran third, got beat a length of three-quarters, but I don't think that race was the goal. I think that race was used as kind of a, just kind of a, a prep race, if, if you will, for this race. Armando De La Serta did talk to me, asked me about riding this horse, but I had made the commitment to riding H.B. Johnson's horse, Icy Gentleman. H.B. Johnson is a guy that I ride for 
year-round at a, a lot of different horses. You know, and when you do business with some guys that are loyal to you, sometimes as a jockey agent, and some people will say jockey agents have no loyalty, but <laughs> that is not true. We do have some loyalty, and H.B. Johnson's a guy that's been good to us, and I decided to stay on H.B.'s horse. But I think Armando Della Serta's horse could be a horse that um, is going to go forward from his last race. That's going to be the key, John. Whoever goes forward the most wins this race because a lot of these horses are going to be good horses. It just depends who steps up tomorrow and makes the most progress. Well, it is wide open. We've been talking with uh, Rick Mocklin, who's done a little bit of everything. Want to give another shout-out. If you're down near Metairie or New Orleans, keep an eye out for Southern Voice, because Rick Mocklin is the lead voice of that band, Southern Voice. And I just want to thank you for your, your time, your energy, and I hope it's not the last time our paths cross, Rick. I hope not. I hope not, John. And look, tomorrow night... The Louisiana Thoroughbred Breeders Association is doing a Champions Day party in the clubhouse. My band is playing tomorrow night. It's from seven to ten, so we get to perform in some of the breeder in front of the breeders, the owners, the trainers, the jockeys, some of the fans that are going to come. And I'm looking forward. We're going to do a Bruce Springsteen song song for the first time tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to doing Tenth Avenue Freeze Out tomorrow night. So we're looking forward <laughs> to that. <laughs> one of my favorites, Rick Macklin, you're one of my favorites, too. So is Stu Kirschenbaum. I want to thank them both for being on the show. You're listening to Winning Ponies as I overlook the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.